morning, everyone. There we go. I got the head nod, so I went for it. But um, Welcome to Christ Central. If you're new here, we hope you feel very uh, welcome here, and we're glad that you're here. My name is Brent Smith, and uh, in a minute we're going to look at uh, Psalm 119. Uh, but before we get there, I just wanted to give you guys uh, an update on where our family is at. It's been quite a busy few weeks, uh, but on Wednesday, we moved into town after, yes, <clears throat> it's been a 15-month a process since we put our house up for sale uh, in April 2012, and uh, but we're here, and so it's been a, a wild week, very hectic, and just kind of all over the place, but we're here, and we're unpacking boxes and stepping over boxes, and we can't find anything, but we're very happy that we're here. And so um, we're in uh, Sally's old house in on Wayman Street in Devon, and uh, Neil, Karen's brother, uh, bought our house in Haynesville. So in this whole transaction, three, three groups of people from this church uh, were blessed, and so we just praise God uh, that he's, his ways are above our ways. And uh, he does work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So uh, we just thank you for all your prayers over the last uh, year. And uh, we really see this as a new chapter for us uh, as a family and for our involvement here in the church. And so uh, we just thank you for that. And you're all invited over for lunch. Joking. Eventually, you'll all be invited over for lunch, just not on the same day. Okay, so let's get down to it. Psalm 119, and we're going to look at delighting in the Word of God. Uh, last week, Adam did a great job breaking down Psalm 19, uh, showing us how God's glory uh, is shown to us through creation, through His Word, and through Jesus. And so this morning, uh, we're just going to zero in on that second point on the Word of God. And uh, we'll, so we'll, he had creation and the Word and Jesus, and so we'll just kind of zoom in on that second point and flip it around and look at it from all different directions and gain a better understanding of it. And so if you want to turn to Psalm 119, it's really, there's lots of Psalms that talk about the Word of God, but the mother load is found here in Psalm 119 in the 176 verses of Psalm 119. <clears throat> so we'll turn there, and for the next 45 minutes, I'll just read it in its entirety. <laughs> I'll sing it. There you go. That would be a treat. So what we'll do, we'll break Psalm 119 down into three chunks. Okay. So first we'll look at what it tells us God's Word is. Then we'll look at what it tells us or how it tells us we should respond to what it is and then we'll look at the benefits of responding in those ways okay so what god's word is how we should respond and the benefits of responding in those ways so let's pray father we thank you for your word we thank you for being here with us this morning we thank you for the presence of your spirit with us and we just pray father that you would uh, as the psalmist says in Psalm 119, that you would open our eyes 
uh, to the wondrous things contained inside your word. We just pray, Father, that you give us eyes to see. We want to know your word. We want to know you. And uh, we want your spirit to help us in that. And we ask this in the name of your son. Amen. So before we get to those three points, we'll just do a quick overview of what we're looking at here in Psalm 119. As I said, it's the the longest chapter in the Bible. It's 176 verses, uh, which means it's by verse count, it's longer than 29 books of the Bible. Okay, Um, so the whole thing is just one giant acrostic. Okay, so if you'll notice in your Bible that there that comes in stanzas of eight, chunks of eight verses, and there's 22 of those, and they all represent the 22 letters in the Jewish alphabet, okay? So uh, you'll, you'll have, like, if we brought it over to English, we'd have uh, the first stanza would be A, and all lines in the chunk of A would begin with A. And then you'd have eight verses for the chunk of B, and then it continues right through to the last, Okay? So, it's quite a piece of work, really. And so the idea behind it uh, is that, so we've got representing all 22 letters of the Jewish alphabet, eight verses in each. The Jewish number of perfection was seven, and it has eight in each stanza. So the idea behind it is God's Word is complete from A to Z, and it's beyond perfection. Okay? So you see that? Okay. So, the author is unknown. There's no heading that tells us when it was written or how it should be sung or anything like that. It's just straight up acrostic to the max. Okay? So, in Psalm 119, there's eight different words that he uses for God's law, for Scripture. Uh, And it's just like he's, he's holding up the jewel of God's Word and showing us eight different angles to look at it. So when you read through, uh, you'll see words like law, which is used the most. It can refer to a single command or a whole body of law or of Scripture in its entirety. And it reminds us that God's Word needs to be obeyed. James 1.25 says that whoever looks into the perfect law and is a, isn't just a hearer who forgets, but a dear, doer who acts will be blessed. So there's law, there's also testimonies, and that word uh, speaks of the outspokenness of Scripture. When you're reading along and it just kind of punches you in the throat, that's testimonies of Scripture, okay? Uh, There's precepts, which is a word that is only found in Psalms. Uh, The word references an overseer or an officer who is responsible to look closely into a matter and take action, and so it points to God's attention and detail in the instruction that he gives. Uh, There's statutes, which speaks of the permanence of Scripture. Commandments, which emphasizes not just God's power, but his right to give orders. Uh, There's ordinances, which in the ESV it's translated as righteous rules, uh, which points to Scripture being the standard between dealings between man and man so the dealings between people that's the ordinances and then there's word which would be the most general term used just referring to any uh, truth that comes from God and the last term is one we're familiar with which is promise 
in verse 140, he says, your promise is well tried and your servant loves it. So those will be the, uh, the eight words, all referring to Scripture, all referring to God's Word, and just showing us different aspects of it. And they really help us see and appreciate how great and how wonderful this book is. <clears throat> because of the 176 verse focus on God's Word, it's caused some to accuse the psalmist of worshiping the Word instead of worshiping the God of the Word. Um, but you'll notice as you go through, starting in verse 4, right to verse 176, that every single reference to Scripture is addressed to God. It isn't just about the Word. It's related back to the author. So it's like if I wrote a 176-verse poem about Karen's voice and her thoughts and opinions and what she says and how she says it, I would do that out of the foundation of my love of her, okay? And that's what the psalmist has done her, here. He's wrote, written a 176-verse poem about how he loves the Word of God because he loves God, okay? <clears throat> so, if your wife wrote down all her thoughts and all her opinions on things and how she feels about things and what she likes and what she doesn't like, and she gave it to you, and your response was, look, I love you, but I find this book a little dry. It's a little boring. I don't really have the time to read it. I'm quite busy. Um, but I do love you, but I can't really work in any time to really appreciate this, and I usually fall asleep when I read it. It would probably not go well for you. <clears throat> if you love your wife, then you would get to know her, especially if she took the time to wrote, write a book all about herself. So we love the Bible because it points us to, introduces us, and shows us more and more and more of the God we love. We love the Bible because it's the Word of the God we love. Okay, so let's look at this. Psalm 119 tells us what God's Word is, how we should respond, and the promises that are attached to responding in those ways. And so, may God's Spirit work in us this morning that we might grow in our love for His Word and in our love for Him. So, first thing of God's Word. God's Word is dependable. Uh, we live in a world where very few things are dependable. The stock markets crash. Friends and family can leave us high and dry, things are always changing, people are always changing their mind, letting us down, but the psalmist reminds us that God's word is dependable, you can bank on it. And the best way that I can describe the dependability of God's word is tried and true. Verse 140 says, your promise is well tried. In verse 86, he talks to God about the persecution he's experiencing, about the people who are trying to take him down. And he reminds himself, all your commandments are sure. They don't change. God's Word doesn't bounce all around. He doesn't say one thing and then go back on it. His Word is sure. Uh, in verse 89, he says, Forever, O Lord, your Word is firmly fixed 
in the heavens. It's firmly fixed. In the midst of more persecution, the psalmist reminds himself not only of the sureness of God's Word, but its truthfulness as well. Verse 150 to 151 say, They draw near who persecute me with evil purpose. They are far from Your law. But You are near, O Lord, and all Your commandments are true. And verse 142 says, Your law is true. So God's Word is dependable. God's Word is tried and true. And that's what the psalmist reminds himself of when he's in the midst of affliction, when he's in the midst of persecution. He goes back to the fact that God's Word is dependable. And then bringing those two things together, tried and true, uh, the best description comes in verse 160 where he says, The sum of your Word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. The sum of your word is truth. It's true in its individual parts. When you add it together, the sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous rules endures forever. So God's word is dependable. Psalm 119 also speaks of the greatness of God's word. Uh, just like with the dependability of God's word, the psalmist reflects on the greatness of God's Word to help him in the midst of persecution as well. Verse 161, he says, Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. So princes persecute me with, without cause. A prince, someone of nobility, someone who's to be revered, his uh, flexing his power on me, but my heart doesn't stand in awe of princes. It stands in awe of your words. Not only that, but he says in verse 120, My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. Uh, the, the, my flesh trembles, that same phrase is used in Job 4, when Job's friend has, a, has like a, a vision, a, a vision that scares him, and he says that his hair stands on end. Okay? So... Not often does the Bible uh, make our hair stand on end because we just don't have the same uh, reverence and awe for it like the writer of Psalm 119 did. We treat it so casually and so commonplace that trembling over it seems foreign to us and probably seems a little wrong in our mind. But he says that his flesh trembles and he stands in fear of the judgments. Along with standing in awe, the psalmist also talks of the wonder of God's Word. Verse 18, open my eyes that I might behold the wondrous things out of your law. Verse 27, I will meditate on your wondrous works. 127, your testimonies are wonderful. The Bible should bring us to awe and wonder. And to give us a picture of just how great God's Word is. He says in verse 96, I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. So he's saying he looks around, he sees limits to everything, but when he looks at God's Word, he sees it as boundless. He sees it as limitless and completely perfect in everything and will continue forever. So God's Word is dependable. It is great and wonderful, 
And verse 39, it is good. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. God's word is a good word, and it is promises for your good. His law and his commandments are good. God's word is dependable. God's word is great and wonderful, and his promises are good. And you can read through Psalm 119 and you'll see a lot more of what God's Word is. So in light of what God's Word is, how should we respond to it? So here's His Word. It's true. It's tried. It's dependable. uh, It is wonderful. It is great. It is good. It is for our good. It endures forever. It has been, been appointed in righteousness and faithfulness, he says. Now what do we do with it? And this is where uh, we get practical. So, three things that we need to do in response to what God's Word is. Uh, The first thing is we need to know it. We need to know the Word of God. If God's Word is what it says it is, if it is wonderful, if it is reliable, if it is good, then we should know what it says. And when you read Psalm 119, there's a desperation from the psalmist to know more and more of what the Bible says. He longs for God's Word. He says he has fixed his eyes on God's commandments. He has stored up God's Word in his heart. He meditates on God's precepts. He says his soul is consumed with longing for God's rules at all times. He says he gets up before dawn so he can have more time to meditate on God's promises, and you kind of get the feeling that he's not just given it a little five-minute once-over in the morning when you read through it. He just doesn't have the verse of the day app on his phone and get up, coffee, boom, oh, cool, and gone. He says he longs for it all day long, and when he thinks about it at midnight, he gets up and he reads it. He's desperate for the Word of God. So how can we know God's Word? How can we store up God's Word in our hearts? And uh, there's three, three ways that I'll talk about this morning that we can get this in here. Okay? So the easiest way, I think, to, beget, to get God's Word in your heart is to simply hear it. Okay? Verse 130 says... The unfolding of your word gives light. And that's what happens here on a Sunday morning. The unfolding of your word gives light. God's word is unfolded. So last week, when Adam preached on Psalm 19, when he began, we'll just give a picture, okay? When he began, Psalm 19 was like this big. And as he preached, he started to unfold it, okay? And by the time he was done, we could see it more clearly and we could apply it to our lives more easily. He unfolded Psalm 19 for us. Okay? So all it means to hear the Word of God is to get yourself to a place where the Word of God is read, where the Word of God is preached. Um, Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. There's something about hearing the Word of God that builds us up. And now, with the technology we have, with podcasts 
and everything. You can listen to the Word of God preached anywhere, anytime by some very gifted speakers who know the Bible very well. And you can be encouraged while you go for a morning walk, while you drive to work, while you do the dishes, whatever you might do. And all our messages are online too. So if you miss Sunday morning, you can get my dry, monotone voice wherever you please. Right in your ear. Faith comes from hearing the Word of God. How many times do we come to church on a Sunday morning and the message gives us faith for what we're going through? I know it has for me, whether I'm sitting up there or whether I'm standing here. When we hear the Word of God, it builds us up. And it's not just the sermon either. I love it. When our church, in our church, when people read out the Word of God and they read it like they mean it, like they actually believe what it's saying, it's powerful and we need to hear the Word of God. It's a very easy way. Hear the Word of God. The second way to begin to know God's Word is to prayerfully read it. To prayerfully read the Word. In verse 18, he says, Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things from your word. He's praying to God that God would help him in his reading of the word. So it's not just prayer, and it's not just reading. Prayer is not a substitute for diligently studying the word, and diligently studying the word is not a substitute for having an intimate prayer life with God. They're together, okay? Uh, Theologian Benjamin Warfield said, some people say 10 minutes on your knees will give you a better relationship with God than 10 hours over your books. And he said, what is the appropriate response? 10 hours over your books on your knees. Okay? They're not separated. They're together. And this is what happens here in Psalm 119 over and over throughout the chapter. He prays that God would help him in his reading of the word. And we need to pray the same way. So just listen to the ways that he prays and and let's follow his example, okay? So we need to pray. Verse 12, teach me your statutes. It's his word. Ask him to teach it to you. He is the teacher. Humble yourself and be the student. Verse 19, don't hide your commandments from me. We have a great privilege of having the word so accessible to us and it may not always be the case. Verse 27, make me understand the way of your precepts. Do whatever you need to, God, to get me to know what your word says and to understand it. Verse 36, incline my heart to your testimonies. I know I need this one because we're not naturally inclined to reading the Word. Our hearts are more naturally inclined to sleeping, reading, anything but the Bible, checking Facebook, mowing the lawn, laundry, even the more monotonous tasks in your life. You are more inclined to do those than you are of reading the Word. We're more inclined to anything than reading and studying God's Word. And so we need to pray, incline my heart, O God, to your testimonies. And when we read and understand, we need to pray verse 88, in your steadfast love give me life, 
that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. And verse 133, keep steady my steps according to your promise. Because we can't read it, understand it, or perform it on our own without God. And when we falter, when we drift from reading His Word, we need to pray the last verse of Psalm 119, verse 176. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. So we just don't read it like we would the daily gleaner. We prayerfully read the Bible because unless God gives you eyes to see the wondrous things in His Word, you won't see them. And thirdly, we need to memorize and meditate on it. When you read Psalm 119, you'll hear it over and over and over again. I meditate on your statutes. I will meditate on your precepts. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. And I will not forget your word. I do not forget your law. He has memorized and meditates on the word of God, which means he reads it over and over and over again. He focuses in on each word. He turns it over in his mind. He commits it to memory so he can keep doing it as he goes about his day. It's not meditation where the goal is to empty your mind. It's meditation where the goal is to fill your mind with the truth of God. I'll give you a little picture. It's like this. Your heart is like a, like a, a boiling water in a teacup. Okay, That's your heart. The Word of God is like a bag of tea. Okay, Hearing the Word of God on a Sunday morning is like just doing a little dip in you get a little discoloration. It doesn't even really taste like tea, right? You just got a little brown swirl in there. You go home, you read, you study. It's like more dunks of the tea bag, okay? But when you meditate on it, it's like pushing that tea bag down in and letting it steep for hours, okay? Until that water is like the tea you get at a church potluck where it's been sitting for like an hour and a half, and you know that pot has like 17 bags in it, right? That's the goal. That's the goal, okay? Your heart should be like a cup of tea like that, okay? You can stand the spoon up in it, okay? We need to immerse Scripture in our hearts and let it steep so that the full flavor the full color is extracted into our hearts. So we need to hear God's Word. We need to prayerfully read it. We need to, we need to commit it to memory and meditate on it. Another picture for you. Picture walking through the woods, okay? You're walking through the woods. You come across a nice, delicious fruit tree. For me, it would be a pear tree. I love pears. I love it when they snap, when you bite them. Mushy pears are disgusting. Okay, <clears throat> So you come across this fruit tree, you eat some fruit, you eat till you're full, you put some fruit in your pocket, and you head home. All right, That's what hearing the Word of God is like. You come on Sunday morning, you take the fruit, you eat till you're full, you jot some notes down, you put them in your pocket, you head home. By Tuesday morning, you've forgotten them, but nonetheless, they're beneficial to you for Sunday afternoon and a bit into Monday. Okay? That's what hearing the Word of God God is like. Reading and studying it and meditating on it yourself 
is like ripping the tree out of the ground and taking it home and planting it on your front lawn, okay? And then you can eat whenever you want, right? So if you're just hearing, then it's just like you've got to walk to that tree every time, grab some bites, put some in your pocket, head home. But if you're reading and you're studying and you're meditating and you're memorizing Scripture, you're ripping the tree up out of the ground, you're bringing it home, you're planting it on the front lawn, and you go out whenever you want and eat the fruit. <clears throat> so, we need to read, we need to study, we need to know what God's Word says. And eat like a glutton on the tree on your front lawn. <clears throat> Sorry. Okay. So we need to know God's Word. <clears throat> the second thing we see in Psalm 119 isn't to obey it, as you might think, but something needs to come first. We need to delight in God's Word. And when you read Psalm 119, you see that this isn't just a scholar. It isn't someone who just studies to gain knowledge. <clears throat> this is a disciple whose joy is found in hearing from God, who delights in reading about the God he has given his life to and who has given him life. He doesn't find it dry. He isn't bored with the Bible. He doesn't do it because he feels he has to. It's not his duty. It's his delight to read and study and meditate on the Word of God. He prayed to God to incline his heart towards his Word, and God answered his prayer. So much so that he can say in verse 14, In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. And verse 72, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Verse 162, I rejoice at your word like one who finds a great spoil. So Lotto 649 has those commercials where people jump and dance and shout and call their friends and say, hey, look what I've done. That's how he treats reading the word of God. Okay? He says it's better to him than one who finds a great spoil. It's better to him than one who won the jackpot. So we often think, if I just had a little bit more money, if I had a million dollars, I wonder what life would be like. He contemplates, if I could just know more of God's Word, I wonder what life would be like if I knew God's Word fully. What would my life look like then? <clears throat> That's what occupies his mind. He loves God's Word. Verse 47, he finds comfort in them. Verse 52, he sings them. Verse 54, when he thinks of them, when he's lying in his bed, he gets up and he praises God because of them. Verse 62, he loves God's Word so much that it causes others who see him to rejoice as well. Verse 74, reading the Bible is better to him than honey on his lips. Verse 103, they are the joy of his heart. Verse 111, he delights so much in God's Word that when he sees someone who doesn't, he weeps. Verse 136, he praises God seven times each day just because of his great love for God's Word. And when God gives him understanding into his Word, his lips pour forth praise back to God. Verse 171, it just doesn't fill his head, it fills his heart. He has an emotional response to God's Word. He knows that he has been made to know God and to enjoy him forever 
and he sees God graciously giving his word to help make that happen, and he finds his heart bursting in joy because of it. <clears throat> so we need to know God's word, and we need to delight in God's word. And if you don't delight in his word, pray earnestly that you would. Pray that God would incline your heart towards his word. And we need to obey it. So from that joy, from that delight, he obeys what he reads. He says in verse 35, lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. His delight is what is driving his obedience. Look at verse 44. He says, I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings, and shall not be put to shame, for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands towards your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. He keeps God's law. He seeks God's precepts. He speaks of God's testimonies because he finds his delight in them. He loves them. And as Christians, we don't follow God's word because we have to. Reading and studying and memorizing God's word doesn't get you into heaven. You aren't adopted as a child of God because you've memorized Leviticus. Okay, You're adopted because of the work God has done through Jesus Christ. You were an orphan left for dead and He came and saved you and brought you into His family. He became your Father. And now, out of that great joy, you want to know more of who your Father is. He gave you a means to know more and more of who He is and enjoy. You run to it. You search it. You study it. You delight in it. You obey it. Not because you need to, but because you get to. Not out of duty, but of delight in God. So we respond to the greatness of God's Word by knowing it, delighting in it, and applying it to our life, obeying it. And now our last point, Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord and forget none of His benefits. And Psalm 119 is full of the benefits of uh, responding to God's Word in those ways of knowing and delighting and obeying the Word of God. So if you're like me and you need an answer to the question of why, Psalm 119 has a lot of answers for the why that might be in your heart. So if your heart still says, well, that's good, but I don't really meditate on Scripture and I don't study Scripture and you just told me that I don't need to do that to get into heaven. If that's what your heart is saying, and it's saying, so why would I start now? I've gone on just fine without it. Your goal in life is not just to slide into heaven like you stole second base, okay? Your goal, in, your goal as a Christian is to enjoy God and to know God and to be more transformed each day like His Son until the day when you will see Him face to face 
you will know him fully, you will be transformed completely, and you will enjoy his presence forever. <clears throat> that's the goal of a Christian, and that's why we need to be in the word. We need to know his word. That's why we need to develop a life of prayer. It's why we need each other in a community of people who love God to encourage us and challenge us so we can become more like his son and know him more and enjoy him more. <clears throat> so here's what the psalmist declares are the benefits of responding in those ways. And this is just a sample. Not all the benefits are included here. Not all the promises are here. But you can take this fruit and eat now. And then you can go home this week and you can plant that tree in your front lawn. Okay? So I encourage you to, to just start here and then rip that tree up and study it and meditate on it so you can eat whenever you wish. Okay? I think these three three areas that I'm going to talk about, I think they'll cover everyone here, okay? First thing is, if we are struggling with sin, it gives us liberty from sin's dominion. Verse 133, keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 11. And here's one that we need. Turn my eyes away from worthless things and give me life in your ways. Verse 37. Turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Verse 37. If we are struggling with sin, get in the word for it gives us liberty from sin's dominion. If we are confused, it gives us light for the way forward. It is a light to walk by. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 105, and it is a light that gives insight. The unfolding of your word gives light. It imparts, it imparts understanding to the simple. Verse 130, it gives us good judgment and knowledge, verse 66, makes us wiser than our enemies, verse 98. And not only that, but it enables us to help other people understand the Bible as well, verse 79. So if we're confused, it gives us a light for the way forward. And the last thing, if we're in the midst of a storm, it gives us stability. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life, verse 50. Verse 92, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. And verse 165, great peace, has have, great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. If we're in the midst of a storm, it gives us stability. And as I said, I think all of us fit into one 
if not three, of those categories. We all are struggling with some sin in some form of another. We all would like more knowledge, more insight. We all would need a light for our way forward. And we all, at some degree or another, are in some sort of storm where we say we need stability to get through this. And the Bible, (coughs) knowing and delighting and obeying the Word of God, the promises are there for all three. So I just want to end with a few questions for you uh, just to ponder in light of all this. What is your view on the Word of God? Do you see it as dependable, as something to be in awe of, something that is good and for your, for your good? And if someone were to watch your life and what you did with the Word, what would their view be on what your view of the Bible is? And what one thing can you do this week to get more of God's Word into your heart? Just one thing. One thing you can do this week to get more truth into your heart so that you can have more stability, that you can battle more strongly against sin, that you can have a little more light for the way forward. And for those of you who have been delighting in God's Word, I just encourage you to pray that God would incline your heart more and that you'd fall in love more and that you, your tone and your speech would fall more in line with what the psalmist is like here in 119, just delighting and loving the Word of God. And for those of us who've been neglecting God's Word and not, um, not delighting in it, not reading it regularly, uh, and having a low view of it, I don't want to put any guilt on you, but encouragement, okay? Let's just Philippians 3.13 this, forgetting what lies behind, pressing on to what lies ahead, okay? And start treasuring the Word of God and loving the Word of God because we love God. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that Your Word is something that we can delight in. That it is so perfect. That it has been founded in righteousness and faithfulness. That it contains wondrous things. That it is true and reliable and tried. We love Your promises that are contained in it. We love Your laws. We love how You have just laid it all out for us and it's just right there for us uh, and we want to feast on it. We want hearts that are inclined towards it. We want to know Your Word more because we want to know You more because we love You, Lord. And we just pray that You would fill us with Your Spirit uh, to, to see Your Word for what it is. Give us eyes to see it, Father, and hearts that understand. Uh, we just pray, Father, that You would help us. We know that it's hard. Uh, it's hard work to get in to your word and our hearts are not inclined towards it and we just confess that we need your help we want you to be our teacher and we want to be the students we want you father to just unfold your word to us to give us light 
Uh, We pray that you would do it, Father. Forgive us for the many times that we've neglected your word and have not treasured it and have not uh, given it its uh, time and its place in our lives. Uh, We just confess that to you. We ask for your forgiveness, and we just want to move forward walking in your ways, walking in truth. Just help us, Father, that we could one day say with the psalmist, your word is like honey on my lips, and we would treasure it above uh, all riches, and we would go to it in the morning like we were finding a great spoil. Uh, We just pray that you would do that, Father. We thank you so much uh, for your mercy on our lives and uh, for your great grace towards us. In Jesus' name, amen.